If your friends haven't told you, McDonald's Spicy Chicken McNuggets are back. The ones made with spicy tempura and aged cayenne. But before you go telling friends, make sure you get them first. Order ahead on the McDonald's app. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. For a limited time at participating McDonald's. Me, 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 but also you. <laughs> the Pharaoh fast-forwards his favorite foreign film. Powder donut. <clears throat> okay, what's my line? Uh, the only line I see here on the script is get options based on your budget with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. Oh, man, that's a tongue twister, huh? I'm sorry, I'm going to need a few more minutes. <clears throat> bulbous Walrus, the Bulbous Walrus. The Name Your Price tool, only from Progressive. The owl ran afoul of the comatose Coxswain. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and affiliates price and coverage match limited by state law. You're listening to the Heroes Podcast Network. Hello and welcome to Kaiju Curry House, the British bi-weekly show that brings you a healthy dose of creature cinema and B-movie banter every other Monday. For those of you new to listening, I'm your host Alex and I'm joined by my friend Joe. However, today will be a little bit different because for our second special episode released outside of our schedule, we are joined by three individuals who share a common interest. That common interest, of course, is the Cyclops featured in The Seven Voyage of Sinbad, First up, we have our returning guest from Summit Kaiju International, Jeremy Souls, who is the project coordinator for X Plus in North America. How are you doing, Jeremy? Pretty good. Thank you for having me, you guys. It's, a, it's an honor to be back. Thank you. It's an absolute pleasure to have you back, Jeremy. Thank you so much. Also joining us is our long-returning guest, filmmaker, author, and trustee of the Ray and Diana Harry Housen Foundation, Mr. John Walsh. How's it going, John? Very well, thanks, Alex. It's so good to be back. Good to see everyone here this evening. Likewise, thank you very much. You're you're a massive, massive. Um, I can't even words there at once. Ah. Something nice, a massive something. Uh, fill in the blank. A lot of people have filled that blank in for you. You're a pleasure to podcast with. Ah, dear Lord, what was that? It's an absolute pleasure to have you back. Thank you so much. You have made this lockdown far more enjoyable. Thank you. And finally, may I welcome our newest guest, licensing and marketing consultant for Star Race, Mr. Dave Stephen. How are you doing? I'm great. Thanks, guys, for having us. Thank you very much, everyone. Joe, can you get us started off, please? All right, folks. Every episode, we always start with the horrible dad pun we're all so fond of. What have Kaiju been up to? Where we go over what we've been up to the last week that is creature feature and monster related. John, I'll pick on you first because no doubt you have a wonderful answer. Well, specifically this last couple of weeks, I've been doing some press and PR. My new book, uh, Flash Gordon, the official story of the film, um, is out this month. And uh, it's also out in America as well. So I've been doing lots of sort of press and PR around that. And there are some creatures in that film. You might have to look hard for them. There's Hawkmen, there's a little tree beast creature. But fascinatingly, the book does reveal what should have been in the film. And there actually should have been some proper creature feature stuff in there. But it was cut, not for budget reasons, but for timing reasons. So you can see storyboards of some of that. So you can find out where Lion Man would have featured. You can find out what creature Ming would have turned into in the film's finale. So there's um, fascinating what ifs in that book. Well, now you get to pick on someone else and ask them, what have kaiju they have been up to? Ah, Jeremy, what kaiju have you been up to? Not only preparing for this interview, I've been working hard to get into a new office space, start a new subsidiary, and um, 
starting to do some uh, research and development for some upcoming things that I'm going to reveal at a different time, but um, I'm reporting from my perspective office today. So that correlates into my Summit Kaiju page and what I'm going to be doing as far as uh, connecting that subsidiary to the Masonic research that I'm doing. So thank you. Jeremy, it's time for you to pass that question on. Can you pick someone else remaining in the room? How about I just pick you since you asked? Yeah. <laughs> that is absolutely fine. I think I deserve that. I've been watching Del Toro's Troll Hunters, which is a TV show on Netflix. Very family friendly. It's sort of um, ideal from a six-year-old because she's at that point now where she makes uh, a big deal that she's nearly six and she can watch older things than her brother, who's only two. So when he goes off to bed at seven o'clock, she gets to sit and have some dad time and watch some scary telly. But but it's lovely. It's it's a PG. It's very exciting and there's lots of monsters in it lots of uh, sword play and it, it's it's lovely i mean it's classic del toro and it's it's fantastic i thoroughly recommend troll hunters on netflix if you're a family man like myself dave getting to know you better what have kaiju been up to well i've been working on a lot of uh, interesting new licenses for star Ace, which i can't share right now because it's still early days but i'm really excited about some of the things we're working on and as for uh shows you guys might relate more. I've just been getting into Britannia, which is on Epic here in the United States, the, uh, the series about the old Celtic Druid versus the Romans time period, which I thought was been fascinating series for me. It's still like that, isn't it, in some parts of north of England? <laughs> is it? That was definitely an attack on me, wasn't it? I heard that. <laughs> but uh, as, as uh, we have previously discussed, John, you said that I'm the BBC's idea of Northern, which I quite like. So I'm just kind of safe enough that I wouldn't frighten the listeners if a, a Northerner got interviewed for the BBC. So I was quite Absolutely. pleased with that. Um, Dave, pass that back over to Joe. So Joe, what kaiju have you been up to? So... The most kaiju thing that I've gotten up to since we last recorded for this podcast, which was two, three days ago, is I watched the first uh, episode of the second season of The Mandalorian, and I have finally gotten to see, after years and years, what a crate dragon looks like. For those of you who are not necessarily Star Wars fans, a crate dragon is a large, well, dragon-esque creature that uh, roams the dunes of Tantooine, which is Anakin Skywalker and Luke Skywalker's home planet. And it has been teased all the way back since Star Wars The New Hope, which was the original film. Obi-Wan uh, uses a crate dragon call or roar to scare off the sand people who have just finished uh, clubbing Luke and taking apart his speeder bike. So we finally got to see what that was. And it did not disappoint, let me tell you. It earns every bit of its mythic status in the Star Wars universe. I highly recommend uh, fans of large alien creatures or kaiju to watch the uh, that episode. That was pretty fantastic. I think it's time that we actually explain to our listeners why we're here today, because we are releasing this outside of the schedule. What is the focus, Joe? Why are we doing this today? What's it all about? So this episode is all about a fantastic figure that comes or is inspired by a glorious film, which is The Seventh Voyage of Sinbad. Star Ace and X-Plus have come together along with the Ray Diane Harryhausen Foundation to produce a Seventh Voyage of Sinbad Cyclops figure. There are two versions of this figure. 
There is one that comes with kind of a diorama base, which is the deluxe version, and there is a standard version. The diorama base is particularly appealing because it comes with Harufa and Simbad menacing the Cyclops, which is a nice little touch. Jeremy, does that come with a second head and the club as well? I believe so. Uh, Dave, you can correct me if I'm wrong. I know about the club. I do believe the second head. And I, I want to uh, also throw in there that the Defo Reel Cyclops is also part of that lineup that is going to be released. Yeah, the uh, Cyclops actually has the club, but he doesn't have a second head. The eyes and the jaw are articulated. You can roll That's what around, I saw. So they're poseable, and then the jaw opens and closes. So it does. It can look very differently in certain poses. There we go. Mm, okay. Yeah, that makes sense. It, I, it did seem like a second head, so thank you for that clarification. Yeah, it looks very different when the eyes are differently positioned and the jaws uh, opened or closed. I like it. That way you can put him up on your shelf and he can be looking at you. Anyway, this figure comes at a wonderful time because John also has a fantastic exhibition going on up north where you can see all, well, not all necessarily, but a lot of raised wonderful figures and the art that goes along with it. John, would you like to elaborate more on your exhibition? Well, you can actually see everything. Everything that's in the collection oh, wow. is there. So all of the creatures are there. Ones that haven't been seen before are there. Ones that needed some repair and restoration, of course, are there. And of course, those from the Lost films, the films Ray Harryhausen didn't make, they're making an appearance as well. So there's a handful of creatures from those. Um, so in terms of the, the Cyclops itself, I mean, I, I did um, a, a sort of a, a brief unboxing video. And uh, the interesting thing is we have the, um, the armature for the original Cyclops. And that's this approximately the same height as the, uh, the finished one here from Star Ace, which is around 32 centimeters tall. And uh, it's incredibly detailed. But R1, of course, is just the armature because Ray Harryhausen famously skinned him, which sounds really violent, doesn't he? He skinned him with a knife to use the armature on, uh, on another creature. Um, but unfortunately, he didn't use it on another creature. It's very frustrating. He skinned him unnecessarily. Um, so we may be rebuilding him at some point in the future. But we have the original armature and that's going to be on display. Um, but I think here you can see the Star Race one over my shoulder. It's, um, you know, a very good representation. I mean, it looks as if it's almost been scanned from the original creature from 1958's uh, seventh uh, Voyage of Sinbad. And he comes complete with, uh, with a little base there as well, a little Cyclops base and, uh, and a little mini Cyclops brother. Look, you didn't know the Cyclops had a baby brother, but there he is. His name <laughs> is Trevor. Separately, that's our deformed real version oh. of the Cyclops. Gosh, I've called him Trevor, and uh, <laughs> <laughs> he, he seems happy enough, um, you know. He, and he's in the classic Harryhausen stance as well. You know, Ray posed all of the creatures in a final stance before he died, and all of the creatures have been left in those stances. So, for restoration purposes, we don't go near those and we don't change those. But um, you know, you can see all of those up at the exhibition at the National Galleries of Scotland. It's been open since the twenty fourth of October, and it'll be running for a full year. And we do hope to have some of the, uh, some or all of the Star Race pieces up there, um, if not in the main exhibition and certainly um, in the museum space or around the gift shop. You can see more over my shoulder. Look at that, the, yeah, uh, the Triceratops from uh, 1 million years BC. How did you guys make this so accurate? I mean, because it, it, it looks almost a one-to-one -one replica of the, uh, the one in the collection. I'm glad you asked that, John, because that is one of the questions I was going to ask. Well, tons and tons of research, basically, um, because 
obviously there aren't any CG models of the creatures, you know, around. So looking at the film, screen caps, photos, uh, that kind of thing, your guys' input on, on giving us comments, it always is helpful. So it's just basically doing the research and meticulously trying to recreate it as best we can. I was going to add to that too, that G. Akamoto is a super fan of Ray Harryhausen, and he goes through some of the process of looking at to make sure these are correct in the films as well. So, so I have a question. When these are sculpted um, on the X plus star A side, are these done digitally first, or does someone take a uh, knife to some clay? How does that process work? These are all traditionally sculpted by hand by uh, Yoshio-san, a very famous monster sculptor in Japan, uh, out of a, the Osaka Monster Shop. Um, he's done all the Harryhausen and the deformed real, the depot real figures for us. So he just he does the research and looks at the creatures and tries to recreate it as best he can. That's I was cool. going to add to that. That's a uh the same level of process that we do at X plus um, then later on they get casted as prototypes that uh, you saw on present video and unboxing which is a um, a resin type of cast of the clay that gets painted and prototyped at a later date so all the models are obviously painted by hand we know this uh, that that's one of the um, advertising features of stars and X plus that you know they're all handmade um, sculpted, handmade, and painted handmade. How long does it, the painting process normally take per figure? Do you guys know? Well, the actual prototype takes uh, a couple of weeks to paint because um, you're always going back and forth trying to get it right. Uh, it can take up to a month, in fact, with the back and forth trying to get notes from various experts and, and repainting it. So, but And then the actual production figure is, of course, a lot quicker. Once you get it down, you create masks that can help you painted on the production line, but the actual prototype can take up to a month. So speaking about approvals and uh, making sure we're getting it right, John, how much of a role do you play in that process, speaking as a trustee? Well, well quite a lot. I mean, when, when we think about how these, these figures are created, you know, as, as, as we were saying there, you know, there's the reference material of the films themselves, but actually sometimes the color temperature of the film is different to the actual creature itself. Behind me, you can see the Allosaurus from 1 million years BC and the Allosaurus that's a star race have made. Again, you know, it's, it's a perfect uh, representation. Uh, but the, uh, the T-Rex from the Valley of Guanji has a kind of a purple hue to it throughout the film. And that was a kind of a quirk of the grading process. So as a result, when people have tried to recreate Guanji, they've done him as a, or her, as a sort of a slightly violet, uh, looking creature, slightly violet effects. Um, so, you know, for us, it's about the look of the creature, also the colouring as well. And uh, I'm a trustee of the Ray and Diana Harryhausen Foundation, have been now for a few years. And Ray set this up in the 1980s to protect the creature collection, but also to um, educate people in the dynamation process, the combination of live action and animation. So when we get an approach and, and Star Race came to us, we knew that they were making quality pieces and had done so in the past when Ray was alive. And we were kind of keen to, to sort of, keep that uh, relationship going. And also we were keen that there was something high quality in the marketplace as well, because, you know, serious collectors like us, you know, us guys here, guys and girls like us who go to conventions want to find something that we can display. And if you haven't got that much space to display, you want to display something that's really cool and gets your friends talking and you want something that looks as if it has stepped off of the actual screen itself. And so normally you'd only be able to see that at an exhibition or in a book. 
but here now for the first time you get to take a piece of that home which is um, which is really fabulous so the process of approval is very simple unlike going to a big studio where it goes through branding and licensing and ip people and other shareholders who have a, a, a say in the film i look at it first and if i'm happy with it i'll show it to vanessa harryhausen and i'll say to her i think this is okay and she'll say okay so it's it's the the you know that uh, process is quite straightforward um, but we have been approached a lot in the past by people who want to set up projects and want to do something from scratch but we because we're quite small infrastructure we rely on a larger company like star race to be fully um, infrastructured up as it were and have that sort of um, machinery in place to be able to produce and bring to market which is key john i have one question for you were you part of the um, foundation uh, 19 years ago when X Plus did the original toy line of the Ray Harryhausen film? Um, I wasn't actually part of the foundation, but I did know Ray back in 1989. I was 18 when I was a film student in that picture there. So um, I was around when the X Plus stuff was happening. The foundation was set up, I think, in 86. So there weren't any trustees really for, for a good few years. But Ray used to give approval, so he would have he would have seen stuff that came through. I think the thing that changed was in the past, you could go to Sony Pictures or Warner Brothers and get just a license, and that was fine. But the foundation eventually got control of Ray's name as a trademark. So if people wanted to put that on a, his name on a T-shirt or on a video or whatever, they'd have to come through the foundation. And it was mainly to protect the Creature Collection because otherwise people put Ray Harryhausen on a T-shirt, could be bad quality, and sell it. And the money we make from licensing Ray's name goes to the Creature Collection. We are a, a registered charity. So, you know, all funnels back into preserving the Creature Collection. So it's available for you guys to come and see it at an exhibition, but also to be able to do something commercial, but with us as a, as a partner company. So, no, I, no I, I kept in touch with Ray over the years. So I was, I was just a lowly film student back there, looking as if I'm auditioning for Depeche Mode in my black uh, T-shirt and pale face. And I'm not much, uh, not much browner today. I'm still as pale. But he saw that he needed some people or a person to sort of take the reins. And as I sort of became a filmmaker and successful in my own field and so on, we'd always stay in touch. I'd visit him in the house and he'd tell me his plans. And eventually um, around 2012, the decision was made that I should become a trustee. I was recording commentaries for his films because surprisingly, he hadn't recorded commentaries for most of them, including Clash of the Titans. So that's when we really got seriously into this discussions about you know what's going to happen next because i think he felt that the uh not that the end was coming but that he needed more help and he needed a sort of a um a younger person to sort of help finesse take it to the next stage going back to timelines i'm just curious how long has this current collaboration been going on how long has this been in development um this hasn't been that long has it this has been about a year or so 18 months i think so pretty fast sort of turnaround relatively speaking right this that was 2019 i think yeah yeah, yeah. So quite fast turnaround for a high-end um, piece like this. Yeah, considering how detailed the sculptures are, that's yeah, that's very impressive. I have one here. So if I just reach over this one, which uh, the guys kindly sent me through, and uh, that's the uh, Allosaurus, of course, you can see. I'll put him quite close to the camera so you can get a sense of the detail and the colouring as well and the finishing. Beautiful, beautiful piece. As I say, if this was inside a uh, an exhibition cabinet, you'd be fooled into thinking this is Ray Harryhausen's Allosaurus. Here we could do a, we could do a switcheroo like the Pink Panther. Ooh, <laughs> like the opening title of the Pink Panther where someone comes down on the rope and swaps the Allosaurus in the cabinet for this one. They'll find out in a year's time when they bring the collection back. Don't say I said that. I'll be thrown out of the foundation. <laughs> and, uh, 
John, don't hesitate to ask for any pieces that you guys might want or need for the collection because um, we'd be happy to send those to you. I know Paul had um, suggested that um, he'd be happy to send anything that you guys need for display. Or... No, we'd appreciate that because we keep everything in the archive. With uh, 50,000 items, we're the biggest film archive outside of the Walt Disney Company. And it's because Ray kept everything. If he was sent a, a badge or a button or a magazine that he featured in or, or any of the toys over the years, he tried to keep as much as possible. So we'd, 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 be, uh, we'd be delighted to have this in the archive. So for future generations, when we're all gone and the second centenary happens in another 100 years, they can say, look back what they did in 2020. We're approaching our first break. When we return, I think, Jeremy, you had a question for John. We'll start with that and we'll carry on with our interview with everyone. Thank you very much. Introducing Peacock, the new free streaming service from NBC Universal. It's hit movies, current shows, live sports, trending bits, and timeless hits. And that's why you can't not watch. Peacock, watch for free, upgrade for more. Stream now at PeacockTV.com. Law and Order SVU streaming now. Hello, and welcome back to this special episode of Kaiju Curry House. This is your host, Joe, and I'm joined by my regular co-host, Alex. Tonight, our special guests are Jeremy and Dave from Star Race, X Plus as well. And we have John Walsh from the Ray and Diane Harryhausen Foundation. Thank you for being with us, guys. We broke off right before Jeremy got to ask John a question. So, Jeremy, please. Yes, thank you, guys. Um, I had one question for John. So... You'd mentioned in your book uh, there are a number of creatures at the exhibition, exhibition that um, didn't make it into the actual films. Uh, so this is a kind of a multi-part question. I wanted to know whether or not they had names and if you ever envisioned them as coming to life as a product since they didn't make it into the movies, maybe something as an extra to another one of the figures. Well, that's a great uh, question, Jeremy. I, you know, I asked Ray Harryhausen years ago, whatever happened to Sinbad Goes to Mars? He was like, oh, I don't want to talk about Sinbad on Mars. I was like, okay. And uh, what else do you not want to talk about? Basically, all of the films that were unmade, if you like, the lost films. So um, last year there, I, I, I wrote a book about all of the unmade films. There was that many of them. So between the films he was involved with and tried to make and those films he was offered, it was nearly 80 80 unrealized projects and so lots of sketches as you can see on the cover here of the book for different creatures and sequences and even sequences from the films we know and love that were that had to be deleted for technical or budgetary reasons but of the creatures in the exhibition that you can physically see there are his martians from the war of the worlds which never made it to screen but appear in test footage um and then fast forward to the end of his career, after Clash of the Titans, there was a sequel that was planned called Force of the Trojans. And that had a, a variety of different creatures from Greek mythology. Um, Charborus, um, the, the Scylla creature from, from the sea. And they've been produced in clay and in bronze. So they're available in the, uh, in the exhibition in Scotland, Ray Harryhausen and Tyson of Cinema. And then there are extensive sketches. So you could kind of recreate from the sketches and the production notes what Ray intended. So absolutely, you could do a whole range of Harryhausen, the lost movies, creatures. And I think people would be really fascinated to see what, you know, Ray Harryhausen's Martians would have looked like. 
because before George Powell made his classic film War of the Worlds, Ray Harryhausen wanted to do his version, and his his Martians would have been correctly bestriding the landscape on tripoded legs and wouldn't be kind of buzzing around like saucers. I mean, you know, everyone loves the uh, the George Powell version, but the the Ray Harryhausen one I think would have would have beaten it off the screen had it got there first. So yeah, there are there are lots of creatures that are yet to be seen. Um, but if you've got the book, then you'll you have a fair idea of what they are. Oh, great. Okay, that, that sounds wonderful. And that, just from the curiosity standpoint, I just think that it would be amazing to get little figures of the lost film. So thank you for that information. Yeah, guys, go ahead. Yeah, Alex, yes. Okay, I have a question uh, for uh, Dave and for Jeremy. Um, myself included, I'm sure many other listeners as well, might not be certain what the difference is between Star Race and X Plus. What is the difference, please, Dave? Well, X Plus is the parent company of Star Race. X Plus has been around since the 80s and got really well known doing uh, uh, the vinyl Godzilla figures. So they're, they're very much into kaiju. Star Race came around um, in the uh, just about six years ago or, or so doing different types of, of product. And now they're kind of crossing over and doing the same kinds of things now with the Harryhausen as the first of the uh, the vinyl statues. Well, we also did um, King Kong from from mm-hmm. Kong Skull Island too first. Um, but so that's that's kind of the relationship. X Plus is the parent company. Okay, thank you very much for that. Joe, what was your question? It wasn't a question so much as a comment. John just tickles me to death that Ray didn't want to talk about these things. So what did you do? You went ahead and wrote a book about it. Anyway, yeah. So, um, look, I, I said to him when um, we were thinking of other book ideas and we we're trying to think of other things to do, I said, look, we should do a poster book because there was that many Ray Harryhausen posters and variants, you know. And when you look at the, the brilliant James Bond poster book, and it's a great poster book, it's mostly a gentleman in a tuxedo with, with a gun, you know, sort of looking in different directions with women doing sort of acrobats or workouts around him. So I thought a Harryhausen poster book would be much more fun. And then Ray wasn't sure there'd be enough posters or people wouldn't want to buy it. And so um, not long after he passed away, we went ahead with that and it was a great success. So we kind of, I sat down with Vanessa and had a big long think about, should we really do this? Would he really want people to know how much work and effort went into these projects that never made it? And, you know, it was was quite a soul-searching discussion we had because if Ray had been here, would he have wanted that book? I think when he'd seen the final book, he would have said, yes, that's fine. But given that he's, um, he was very reticent to talk about special effects, you know, back in the 60s, 70s and early 80s, he would do interviews with magazines like Starlog and Starburst and Cinefix, but he wouldn't really give too much away. You know, people knew roughly how the animation was done and you move things in increments at a time. But the, the, uh, behind me, you can see some of the interactions between the uh, live action and animation. Some of those techniques Ray really didn't want to discuss because he created those. You know, they, they weren't simply a case of, of slapping the dinosaur on afterwards. Um, there were so many different techniques he created. He'd worked with uh, camera companies. He'd worked with Kodak to, to, to cut his own perforations in the film to stop movement in the gates. When you have two pieces of film together, you can't have movement against them. There were so many techniques he innovated that people didn't know because you couldn't tell from watching. He was quite reluctant to give that up. And if you think of big companies today, Apple with their iPhones and you know other technology companies, a lot of these products are sealed so that they can't really be opened and, and, and kind of dissected. 
And so Ray saw the unmade films as, as possible films he could do at some point in the future. And, you know, he was a producer as well. You know, don't forget this. Ray Harryhausen was a film producer and a special effects expert and everything else along with it. He's the only person in cinema history who's been the instigator of his own films whereby he is doing the special effects. You know, Phil Tippett, Dennis Muren, Ken Rolston, all those wonderful people from ILM who followed afterwards, who were brilliant, and Rick Baker, great people, but they facilitated other people's films. And before Ray Harryhausen came along, you know, you think of people like um, Willis O'Brien on King Kong and Mighty Joe Young. He was brought in to facilitate the visions of the people making Kong, uh, Marion C. Cooper and so on. Um, so, you know, Ray kind of sits singularly in cinema history as someone who instigated his own projects. He spoke to George Powell about doing War of the Worlds. George Powell happened to then go and do War of the Worlds. Producers were chasing the same options on books at the same time. He also, I think, I believe, and he was good friends with George Powell, and this is no disrespect to the great man, he also mentioned to Powell there was another H.G. Wells book he was after, The Time Machine. As we know, George Powell did do The Time Machine. So Harryhausen was lucky third time round and did First Men in the Moon. So, you know, producers are notorious for chasing, if it was a John Grisham book today or a Tom Clancy, and if we were all producers, we wouldn't be telling each other who we'd had lunch with, which, which literary agents we're talking to, because, you know, producers have a certain mindset. They're like mafia families. Everyone knows who they are. Everyone knows what they do. But nobody will talk about business when they meet in a, in a kind of a forum. And I've met with other TV producers, and they're just like that, good ones. They don't tell you what they're doing. First rule book of sales, you don't talk about what you're doing to other sales guys. True that. So um, we've talked about figures. We've talked about uh, what we're doing. Uh, I was just going to you know, go ahead and put it to the forum. What would be the dream figures that everybody would like to see come out of this collaboration? Does anybody have just like a wants list, so to speak? Medu Alex? Medusa. Oh, nice choice. Yeah. Nice choice. Absolutely. Um, and I would love a diorama. I, I, I just think like having the shield on the floor with the diorama possibly melted could be quite nice. I think you could have two different ones. You could have Medusa as a figure. You could also have Medusa's head um, with uh, Perseus. That could be quite nice. Yeah, possibly even Medusa kind of with that iconic pose pulling the bow back. That that, that oh, has be, to be part of it, yeah. Yeah, I think that that, that would be stunning. <laughs> yeah, um, I think Medusa and the Kraken would destroy my bank balance. I think <laughs> uh, the credit agencies would be calling and say, "We need to talk, Alex. You have a problem." And say, so, "Yes, there I we go. Enable me, Derby. You've got a big grit on your face. What's yours?" So the skeletons from Jason and the Argonauts and the Seventh Voyage of Sinbad, I would like to see a gigantic series of that skeleton, probably like in a pose where he, like he's got the sword, glowing eyes. I think that would be amazing. I know John had mentioned that there's a smaller one with a coffin. I'm with Alex, but I would like to see a Medusa bust made. Um, in the past, we've done a couple of uh, bust figures, like actual bust of a few different uh, monsters, and I think uh, a light of eyed Medusa would be pretty amazing with Buzz. So, kind of my three there. John, you're you're deep in thought here. Um, I know you're well, a Flash of the Titans fan. I am, yeah. Um, I mean, when I um back in the day when I filmed with Ray Harryhausen, I got to film with the original Kraken. That's a little still shot from my my student film. I was 18 when I made it. Ray Harryhausen movements 
into life and uh, which is just featuring currently in the new rolex commercial uh, is it deep water blue the jim cameron rolex commercial for the, for the new diver watch i never go down that deep in the water so i don't need one but um they gave us a big donation to use uh, extracts of this in the new two minute commercial i can make that available for you guys to pop into the uh into the podcast once you don't say anything you know terrible about diving and watches and getting things wet um but uh when i when i first met um the kraken he was minty fresh so that was back in 1989 he's one of the few creatures that's been fully scanned he's been scanned from top to tail before and after restoration he's been restored quite recently we also did an mri scan where we went through all of the layers inside so we could see what repairs had been carried out and and in in what stage those repairs were because often there'd be breakages during the film these creatures are very heavy and very robust they're not small and delicate but on the surface the skin kind of cracks but he needed a bit of tlc he's one of the more recent ones from 1981 i'd love to see the kraken i'd love to see calabos the lord of the marsh um bubo the i mean just you know we need a life-size bubo Oh, life-size bubo <laughs> well i tell you you know there was planned to be a life-size bubo mattel toys in the late 80s had created one so the first wave of toys that came out were a series of small sort of action figures the size of star wars figures there was a large kraken which looked a kind of a little bit it was okay it's okay there was a a a pegasus that didn't really fly it had um had kind of fixed wings and i think it was based on a a previous um barbie doll release but it's okay the second wave was going to have the Lord of the Marshes marsh area, similar to the cardboard Death Star, if any of you remember that from the original Star Wars run, some mm-hmm. kind of little domed thing with a cross section. And there was going to be a, a, a quite large, if not a one-to-one, then a two-to-one ratio of Bubo the Owl. And it didn't go to market because the figures didn't sell as well as everyone had hoped, um, but not for the reasons you might actually think. So, uh, And I explained those reasons to Ray recently, and he, 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 uh, he was quite shocked. Mattel have it in their archive, the, uh, that Bubo mold. I'd be interested to see you guys, maybe if you could do some licensing deal with Mattel to get their Mattel 1980 version out. We, we would help and support you with that, but we could also make a scan available of Bubo. But one of the big issues, and these guys will know this more than anyone, that not all of Ray's films are with Sony pictures or Columbia pictures. And Columbia are a very good company to deal with, and they've been very receptive to the foundation and partners such as Star Ace. But Warner Brothers have a different set of rules and criteria around licensing for IPs. And so sometimes offers don't pass the threshold of, 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 of minimum either funding or, or amounts and so on. So it's not always the case that you can go from one studio to another to make these creatures. But um, Warner's are, are a very good company, and we hope to do stuff with them in the future. There might be a 4K coming of clash of the titans next year which i'm currently working on so it better be coming because i'm working on it now um <laughs> so who knows who knows but the kraken definitely is is top of my list <laughs> i would happily buy a calaboss as well i can see a set of the kraken calaboss and medusa however i do think that the people who made furby saw bubo and thought i've got a great idea because furby kind of does that <laughs> that, that twittering noise and you think go away I, I didn't like Bubo. I had issues with Bubo. How My dare you, sir? How dare you? He made the top 10 creatures. John Landis said this to me. And if it wasn't that he was bigger and better than me, I would have knocked into the floor. Um, he said he doesn't like Bubo the Owl. And some people have even said to me, it's the Jar Jar Binks of the Ray Harry Owls and world. It's like, uh, that's, my arms that's a, could get through the internet. That, that's a bit too far. I think not. That, that's, yeah. 
I won't go My daughter people, loves Bubo. She's quite right. She's a smart girl. Because look, Bubo the Owl was not created as an answer to R2-D2. That's not the case. When Clash of the Titans was written in the late 1960s by uh, Beverly Cross, who'd written Jason the Argonauts, the mechanical owl was already in there long before Star Wars was filmed and came mm. out. So film critics wrongly refer to Bubo as a reaction to R2-D2. So just, That's just annoying. putting the record straight. It's a lack of research on their part as well. Yes. Um, Dave, what would be your choice? I know that you're on the inside here, but just as a collector, let's say. Yeah. Well, I mean, Clash of the Titans was the only one of these films that I actually saw in theaters when I was a child. So I have a preference for that one. And I think you guys have already stolen mine. So, you know, the Kraken and Medusa are, are two of my favorites. I'd love to see a, a, a Bubo, too. I know, I think General Giant did a, a Bubo statue that did really well and costs hundreds and hundreds of dollars on the aftermarket now. So Bubo's obviously a popular character. Yeah, Ray had that Bubo in his lounge, so we have photographs with him with that Bubo <laughs> on the side table where he kept his remote controls. So he, he, I think that was only limited to 500 pieces. Yeah, so it was very limited, yeah. It was really quick to get straight in there. It was a beautiful piece. It was only about yay big, though. It was only like that right. big. And then on the branch, so there's a real opportunity to do one. The full-size Bubo is really quite large, and we have all versions. We have the location mechanical version, which is like, if you like the animatronic one, the uh, the full-size animated one, and the the other two sizes. So there's one that's about uh, three or four inches across, and then there's a teeny, teeny one that flies across the Kraken's belly button, which is uh, which is really small. It's about an inch. Uh, do you have scan yeah, yeah. Bubo? Um, we don't have scans of Bubo, but we can get Bubo scanned fairly easily because he's in pretty good, robust shape. I would second the motion of getting that uh, created into a figure if anyone has that idea to make that happen. So that would be amazing. Everybody loves Bubo. <laughs> Except Alex. I'm going to come for you, Alex. I, I, I know. Your home address. <laughs> yeah. So. A hot take from my side. But then other films, um, such as Mysterious Island, that's one of my favourite Harryhausen films. And I think that the giant crab in that is absolutely fantastic. However, where I can see X Plus doing a wonderful job of the giant crab in Mysterious Island, I feel that there'd be a similar problem to uh, me getting the figure uh, Ibira Horror of the Deep because I'd have people come round and go, Alex, why have you got a giant lobster on your shelf? No, no, it's from this really, really cool Godzilla book. No, you've got a giant lobster on the shelf. Why have you got a giant crab on the shelf? It is, I think because it's literally just a supersized version of, you know, a crab, it doesn't look as kind of peculiar and as kind of monstrous. It's just, it is a crab. But it would if it had a scaled sailor in, in, the, in the claws. So you need one of the sailors... Oh, there we of, go. You know, cut yeah. in half in the claws and that do the trick. I'm so lacking the vision, but you've got it. I was going to say, that's the conversation I had a, I have with my wife when I got two of them on my shelf. Why do you have a lobster on the shelf? Yes. So, you'll, you'll get accused of going to uh, a restaurant and kind of going into the fish tank and take out the plastic uh, lobster toy. You know, no, no, no. It's an X plus figure, honest. Uh, right, we are on our second break. Uh, it's been an absolute delight so far, gentlemen. Thank you very much. And we'll return in a moment. Amazon Prime members get free two-hour grocery delivery. That means no masks, no lines, no pants, no makeup, no traffic jam, no, where do I park? No, where did I park? No random guy blocking the aisle. No, did you drop your shoe in the store again? No. Yeah, that's exactly what it means. Free two-hour grocery delivery. Now with Prime. 
My name is Connor Baxter, and I'm a freelance 3D artist. My specialty is sculpting various monsters and kaiju found in pop culture, which are then converted into model kits via 3D printing. This is something I enjoy doing very much, and if you're interested in my work and like a private commission, then check out my portfolio site at invaderdesign.co.uk, where you can find my work and contact information. Or check out my Twitter at invader underscore design. Cheers! Hello and welcome back. I'm John Walsh, filmmaker and author, and I'm joined by Joe, Dave, Alex and Jeremy. And we're in our final segment, talking all things Ray Harryhausen. So which of you gents wants to uh, wants to kick off next? Well, Go I'll ahead, kick Joe. off. Yeah, I didn't get to ask, you know, like my dream figure. I want a dragon or a Redosaurus. So there's me being salty that I didn't get to say it in the last segment. But I think both of those would be amazing. And Dave and Jeremy, I am fully aware that the Cyclops that fought the dragon had additional horn on top of his head. So I'm, I'm really big on my screen accuracy. So, you know, there needs to be another Cyclops if that's going to happen. So, ah, well, let me, sorry to cut across you there. If you read, um, Harry House and the Lost Movies, you'll know that originally Seventh Voyage of Sinbad had two Cyclops. Two Cyclops were going to fight. Yeah. And, uh, so maybe the one you saw with the, uh, the with the horn was the brother, Trevor. There What's the other again. one's name? So if they're brothers, what are their two names, John? Well, one is nameless, and that's why he's really angry all the time. The other one got a name. He's called Trevor. Parents liked him more. Fa- favorite son. Yeah, there it's we go. Gotta be, in Trevor. all families, there's a favorite. Yeah. <laughs> so, now, so now when I'm watching this movie, uh, the dragon beats, quote-unquote, Trevor, I'll be like, Trevor, no! <laughs> what scale would this dragon be in, though? Well, oh. um, we have to determine because the dragon is really big compared to yeah. the Cyclops. So, you know, how much are you willing to pay for a dragon? <laughs> well, I will go gigantic. We'll have to play with that. We're, we're still developing. With The dragon is coming. We're still developing him, though. So we'll have to see what the, what the scale will be as we get closer to that. Because normally with X plus figures, there's obviously the center uh start again there's the 30 centimeter line which is what i collect but then things like the judora figures i've got the des judora that, that's in the 25 centimeter scale and you always get people in the collectors group saying i want a 30 centimeter king judora no you don't it's too flipping big they go, oh i'll pay for it no, the shipping alone would be the price of the figure it's 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 impractical i think that's why there's the 25 centimeter line for that does that sound about right jeremy um, that's pretty accurate. Um, the Shin Godzilla was a good example of that, how gigantic it was and how much it cost shipping that people didn't anticipate. Um, so I would say that's pretty accurate. But like anything, it's never out of the realm of possibility. It's yeah. just, I think, practicality on a business level. Joe flexing there, his gigantic Godzilla, which uh, if there is going to be a Pink Panther you know, capture, it'll be me climbing down into Exeter to steal that figure. John, what are the future plans for the Ray and Diana Harryhausen Foundation? Well, so at the moment we have this exhibition, which is running for a year in Scotland. We have a brand new book, Ray Harryhausen Tyson of Cinema, written by Vanessa Harryhausen. And it tells the story of her father's life in 100 pieces. So some of them are personal, some of them haven't been seen before, and some have been photographed for the very first time. And just to give you an example of one of the pieces, 
the full-size Miniton head, and by the way, Miniton is a popular figure, um, she has that. So Miniton's head was worn by a, uh, an actor called Peter Mayhew, who went directly after uh, Miniton to play um, Chewbacca in Star Wars as a result of being Miniton in Sinbad and the Eye of the Tiger for some of the scenes. Um, but in, uh, I, I have the top 10 playing behind me, the top 10 creatures that were voted for by fans. And so you can see um, in, in fourth place was Carly, in third place the Medusa, in second place Talos, and in first place, well, you'd have to guess and wait and see. Um, so we're going to be rolling out other polls in the next year as well. We're going to be asking people to vote for their favourite unmade films, lost Harryhausen films. Um, I'm working with um, Indicator Powerhouse on a new Harryhausen box set, which will, for the first time, bring together all of Ray's films under one box set umbrella. Never been done before. There's new extras. I found test footage, animation footage of Pegasus, Medusa and the Kraken and so on. Um, we may be doing, I hope we're doing, the, the 4K of Clash of the Titans for next year's 40th anniversary. And we have an exhibition planned for the Oscars Museum as well, which has, which has been delayed and delayed because the museum's been delayed. And of course, with the uh, current situation, that's been delayed too. And we are working with the George Lucas Museum of Film and Narrative Arts. We're going to be doing an exhibition with them as well. So as the, uh, the Scottish one draws to a close, we'll be effectively taking our stuff we won't be touring the same exhibition, but we'll be taking all of our bits and bobs and we'll be going to the Oscars and the Lucas Museum. So uh, we'll be coming to a museum near you soon, I hope. Jeremy, what are the plans for the future of X Plus, if you're able to share any information now? So yeah, I just want to give a quick plug on November the 15th. There is going to be a super festival in Japan, number 84, and we plan on having... Um, not only our regular toy line of kaiju, but we also are going to be um, presenting some of these Ray Harryhausen Star Ace toys. And for those of you that are listening, there's going to be a catalog superimposed that you may not be able to see at this time, but um, these will be the figures that will be on display in Japan on the 15th. So uh, we're very excited to um, get that opportunity to work with Star Ace and have these uh, placed in there on the display as well. Well, I'm happy on both fronts because I love the figures, I love the movies. So, John, going back to the uh, National Gallery, that started on October the 24th, and it's running until Sundays, the 5th of September, 2021. Yes, that's right. And I think there's going to be late-night openings on Thursdays and Fridays up until 8 p.m. in the evening. And, and there is lots to see. I mean, there's the creatures themselves, as I say, there's test footage and so on. There's a new short film that's been created. But the people who've mounted the exhibition with National Galleries of Scotland have gone to some lengths to kind of create, if you like, a multi-plane camera effect so you can see the layers of um, effects that are in place to create a rear projection where the actors are, then the model, then something in the foreground, like maybe a small set, and then the camera. So it is described in some detail how the effects were achieved. So if you went to see a sort of a magician's secrets revealed and could look behind the curtain, that's effectively what we're offering up. So it's um, it's tantalising because, you know, people think of this as something from the past. And of course it is because these are films from a long time ago. However, there are more um, hours of stop motion animation being created today than at any time when Ray Harryhausen was working. I mean, that that's a that's a phenomenal thing to consider. There's there's children's animation, there's feature films, there's commercials. There's online stop motion's never been as big. So really, you know, if you're interested in a career as an animator, you know, it's a good career to have. 
come down and see the exhibition, find out what you need to do. And uh, you can do it on an iPhone. You know, you don't need to now buy rolls of Kodak film and have a Bolex camera like back in the old days when I was a film student. You can, anyone can do it now. So you just need a bit of imagination and some patience. Speaking of iPhones, there are some brilliant and tantalizing pictures of this exhibition on your Instagram, uh, the foundation's Instagram, which is ray.harryhausen, as I'm able to look at it on my iPhone right now. And it is brilliant. I, I love the uh, I love the way that the figures are lit. There's a fantastic picture of the Kraken in all of its glory, and it looks incredible. I can't wait to see it in person. So I had one question for uh, John. Um, what about plans in the future for a permanent um, location to see the archives? Is there any sort of plan of getting a building or some sort of museum solely dedicated to the films, the props? in a way just to just glorify it in that sense of just having something permanent there, uh, similar to what they did in Japan recently with the Godzilla Museum. Yes, I mean, the short answer is yes. And the way we would do that is through funding. So um, one of the things I did uh, two years ago was to set up a new film company, Ray Harryhausen Films Limited, where some of the um, unmade films, particularly Force of the Trojans, the follow-up to Clash of the Titans, we're officially in development now with Morningside Pictures, which is the former production partner of Ray Harryhausen with Charles Schneer, who's sadly no longer with us, but the company still exists. So, you know, there are some real possibilities. I've been speaking to streaming services and studios, and everyone likes to talk, of course, but um, it would need that level of input. You know, we would need a successful relaunch of one of Ray's films. And if we look at just 10 years ago, Clash of the Titans was remade, and it was very successful. And then they made a sequel to that called Wrath of the Titans, which did good business too. You know, joined up both of those films theatrically made one billion dollars together. So, if the foundation just had ten percent of that kind of business, we could build a permanent home to Ray Harryhausen, where we'd have guest animators come and visit with their collections. We would have a permanent film school on site, and yes, it would be the place to come to see Ray Harryhausen. So, ultimately, that is the plan. I hope it doesn't take another hundred years for that to happen. Well, I think it is time that we round off this episode. We've covered a lot of ground. We're going to finish off with our personal recommendations. I think it's very important that we do plug the exhibit at the National Galleries in Scotland. So I'll leave that to John. Yes, please come to the National Gallery of Scotland to see Ray Harryhausen's Tyson of Cinema. You can book your tickets online, of course. Um, the exhibition has um, all of the measures in place for social distancing. Do check, of course, before you arrive in Scotland or at the exhibition that things are open. As far as I know, they still are at this point, but that might change by the time this podcast is broadcast. And of course, you can get Vanessa's book, Ray Harryhausen Tyson of Cinema, either from the exhibition shop or you can pop on to Amazon or any bookshop online to purchase one. You can also get my book still. They're still selling Harryhausen, The Lost Movies. Um, so that, that's going to be available as well. Well, thank you for that, John. Uh, just going to share my screen for a moment. I'd like to give a personal shout out and recommendation to my good friend, Mr. Mark Maddox. Is that showing up? Oh, yes. Yeah. Okay, so uh, Mark Maddox, my friend from Facebook, and he was one of our guests who was on recently when we reviewed uh, Matango. Can you remember that, Joe? Yes, I can. So uh, he's an absolute gem, Mark, and he is a horror artist. And he was recently in Infinity Magazine. And of course, the art there is from Mysterious Island, which he did an absolutely wonderful job. So I'd like to shout out to Mark Maddox. He's an absolute great guy. Joe, what's your recommendation? 
my recommendation is I'm, I'm going to replug uh, John's books. I, uh, I own the Lost movies. I am going to pick up the I've forgotten that wonderful Camp 80s film. Name Flash Gordon. Flash Gordon, yes. I am going to pick up the Blu-ray of Flash Gordon. Um, I have a couple of young children in my life, and I think that would be a brilliant goofy film to show some of the older ones. And then uh, I would love to pick up the book afterwards. And I have Vanessa's book on order through some good friends of mine. and um, Signed as well. I know. They were good to me, but I am very, very excited about that. I am also going to recommend that everybody please uh, don't wait if you're looking at the Cyclops or any of the other Star Ace X Plus releases. Uh, if you're thinking about getting them, there are lots of vendors that currently have them up for pre-order. There are payment plans available, but just know that once they disappear, it takes a long time for them to come back around and it's better to get them ahead of time before they wind up being uh, sold by scalpers on eBay. So take a look at those as soon as you can. Absolutely. We'll get in there quickly, Joe, if you're going to pre-order that for my, for my Christmas present. Thank you very much. Um, <laughs> Save me up for a dragon. <laughs> Dave, what's your recommendation? Well, I was going to recommend you go buy Cyclops, and you can get it at the, directly from Star Ace at starace.com.hk. Uh, it's still available there, so... Uh, but get there quickly. It's, it is doing really, really well. So it might sell out pretty quick. I'll also tease that the next figure will be on, uh, debuting on our Facebook page pretty soon is going to be Emir. So I dropped that out there so people know to look for that pretty quickly. Coming up, just getting photos of them now. Fantastic. And finally, Jeremy, if you'd like to give your personal recommendation. So I'm going to suggest that you go to the X Plus website and take a look at the figures that we have from Star Ace listed on there and to go ahead and check out the museum that um, has all these wonderful figures on display and hopefully in the gift shop pretty soon. So everybody's wallets are going to be hurting this holiday season. <laughs> Absolutely. It's time to say goodbye. Joe, can you lead us off? As always, I'd like to say thank you for all of our listeners for tuning in tonight. And thank you very much for our special guests for joining us. It's been an absolute pleasure. And folks, keep it kaiju. When we made our new McDonald's spicy chicken McNuggets, you were praise hands emoji. Then we ran out, and you were screaming tears emoji. Now they're back, so you can be grinning face with sweat emoji. Order ahead on the McDonald's app. Ba -da -ba -ba -ba. For a limited time at participating McDonald's. Me, 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 but also you. <laughs> the Pharaoh fast-forwards his favorite foreign film. Pip, 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 powder donut. <clears throat> Okay, what's my line? Uh, the only line I see here on the script is get options based on your budget with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. Oh man, that's a tongue twister, huh? I'm sorry, I'm gonna need a few more minutes. <clears throat> bulbous Walrus, the Bulbous Walrus. The Name Your Price tool, only from Progressive. The owl and a foul of the comatose coxswain. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.